0: Welcome to the family room with The Rock. those visiting, welcome. Um, I recently traveled this week. I traveled a couple times this year. um, And the Lord laid it on my heart. You know, I I have a, uh, I was always wondering about the TSA pre-check. So I I went and got that done and I traveled quite a bit. So I wanted to, it's like when you're on the turnpike and you see that easy pass. You're like, man, what do I got to do to qualify for that? I also have an easy pass. I'm I'm a convenience guy. So you know, it, it it reminded me this week when we uh I was traveling with my wife and kids. And I had to go I had to go like have a uh an appointment for TSA. So I went to Toledo, scheduled online an appointment, had to take my birth certificate, my license and everything else and anybody that's done this knows that it's like a pretty harmless process, but you just got to go somewhere and like have an agent basically like I don't know, interview you, do your fingerprints and stuff like that. As long as you have a clean record, you can get TSA pre-checked. <coughs> so I did that, and I got this known traveler number, finally got it. I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. Well, both times I've gone, like, there's hardly been anybody in line. So, But it was pretty cool because when I took my kids uh, with us, we were at um, the airport, and I'm like, man, I got this TSA thing. Like, I might as well try and use it. So on any boarding pass I do, once I put in like my information, it just has this known traveler number and I'm like, okay, you know, I kind of feel bougie like going in the TSA pre-check line when like nobody's there, but I know, I I just learned that as long as I'm a TSA pre-check guy, so is the rest of my family. So it was pretty cool because, you know, I don't have to go through all the security stuff, get it, take off my shoes, my belt, all that stuff. And so... I wanted to kind of plant the seed and kind of open up with this because they just gave them a laminated sheet, just this green sheet that says TSA PreCheck. And they didn't have to like interview my seven, five and three year old. Like they were just like, all right, cool boarding pass. Oh, you have a known traveler number. Boom, here's all your guys' you know, laminated sheets. So when they went through security, it was just like, you know, here we go. And they were like, all right, come on through. So it was, there was no effort, there was no work required by them at all it was just them being related to me and so I just want to set the scene with that I'm going to pray for us then we'll get into this thank you Lord for bringing us here today we're just so thankful for your sacrifice Jesus keeping you primary in our lives thank you that you've paid it all we just ask for wisdom claim your favor Lord your unmerited favor that we don't deserve and that we can't earn. Thank you for having eyes to see and ears to hear, knowing that everything that we touch will be blessed because of you, Jesus, not because of what we do. Thank you, Lord, for Holy Spirit interceding with my words and that understanding would be one of the supernatural. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. So. In life, we all we all operate on the scale. This is, it's, it's a metric system. <clears throat> dude, and, and I was just talking to Isaac about this. I said, you know, no matter what like my revelation is of the Holy Spirit or His or any other teachers that I sit under, or any any part of the body, we all operate with the work hard, play hard mentality. And even if you don't think you do, you do. If I wake up in the morning and I work out, dude, the rest of the day is dangerous. Like, I earned anything else I want to do. I want to have, have anything I want to drink, I'm doing it. I, I can have dessert before lunch, I'm doing it, because I worked out, right? So inherently, we all operate on this a little bit. If you worked a full week, you didn't take any more time off than, that, than was required, you get to Friday, you're like, I earned this weekend. I worked hard. Didn't take any vacation days. I was on time every time. I, ch- I clocked out every time. I, you know, I earned this. We all operate on that, and that's okay. I do too. I get a big sale. I'm like, you know what? Tomorrow. I don't really have to work as hard. So that's just kind of how we work, and especially in the body of Christ, there is this misunderstanding, and it's a misconception that's widely spread and we've all been to churches, we've all heard sermons on it, we've all talked to people, family members, friends, and we just hear little inklings and droplets of like this earn and work, and then the further you can go, but it takes you earning and working for it. So I want to, there's, there's, a, there's a dichotomy here that's going to be tough to translate, but I'm going to talk, I'm going to read a couple different passages and talk about thorns, and the resemblance of them and what they, what they stand for in the Bible. Just track with me here. <clears throat> so I'm going to go to our first scripture. Uh, this is Genesis three, seventeen through 23, if you can pull it up, please. So this is after Adam and Eve had um, disobeyed God in the garden. And he's talking to Adam. And he says, and, he's, and to the man he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. From you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Then the man, Adam, named, named with his wife Eve, because she was mother of all who live. And the Lord made clothing from animal skin from Adam and his wife. And the Lord God said, look, the human beings <clears throat> have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, and eat of it? And they will live forever. So, you will notice in Genesis 3, 18, he talks about it will grow thorns and thistles for you. So, <clears throat> this is the first reference of thorns. I just want you to keep in mind, okay? Now we're going to jump to Genesis 21, 1-7. through The Lord kept his word. And this is this this dovetails off of Isaac's last teaching about he's talking about Abraham and Sarah and how they had been praying for a long time for the ability to have children. And uh, Abraham kind of took matters into his own hands. Thank you, Sarah. Took matters into his own hands and he said, you know, I'm sleep with Hagar because my wife Sarah can't get pregnant. So God still ended up being faithful after some time and he gave them a child. And this is the birth of their son, Isaac. So, and Abraham was 100 years old when when Isaac was born. The Lord kept his word and, and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born and Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this laugh with me, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. So, them having their first son, that means, that, was, that meant the world to them. He's a hundred years old. I mean, that's, an incredible miracle, and they had longed for a child forever, so much so she was willing to let Abraham sleep with Hagar. So you can just imagine, like, the extreme level of passion they were feeling to have a child. So this is in Genesis 22, and this is going to go Genesis 22 1 through 18. So sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes. He replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac. It's interesting how he calls him his only son because he knows that that's the one that he was supposed to have with Sarah. And Ishmael did not count as his only son. (coughs) Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled up his donkey and took two of his servants with him. "'Along with his son Isaac, then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering "'and set out for the place God had told him about. "'On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. "'Stay here with the donkey,' Abraham told the servants. "'The boy and I will travel a little further. "'We will worship there, then we will come right back.' "'So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders "'while he himself carried the fire and the knife.' As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now, I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorn caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham, Abraham named the place Yahweh-Ira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name, as the, the name as a proverb, to which it means on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and not and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Notice this is the second application of them referencing thorns and a thicket. So uh, the definition of a a thorn is a stiff, sharp-pointed, straight, or curved, woody projection of a stem or other part of a plant. A thorny bush, shrub, or tree, especially a hawthorn. And a thicket is described as a thick growth of shrubs, underbrush, or small trees, which correlates to thorns. So notice that there's a couple different spots in here that's just crazy. So um, in in my growth as a Christian, and um, when I'd been learning, you know, about the finished work of Jesus, we we were always taught when I was younger by <clears throat> Jerry, my father, and Louie, and every other church I was a part of, the, about like foreshadowing and shadows and types. And I've always been really intrigued by the Bible. Once I learned about that, because it's like if someone were to pay you or there was a prize and you had to go on like a treasure hunt and you didn't, you could, you could stop your work as, a, as your day job and you could go on a treasure hunt, it's like, watching like, it's like watching like a, what's that movie? National something, National Treasure. I think that's awesome. Like they know that there's something there and they're going to go on a treasure hunt for it. That's like how I view the Bible. So it's like even these stories about Abraham, we've all like heard this story before. You start to link things together. So that's what we're doing here. So track with me. <clears throat> when, when this ram was caught by its horns in a thicket, there's a second application of a thorn. Now we're going to jump to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 5 through 13. So Paul is like, I love Galatians, by the way. Paul is just going off. He's, he's kind of just shooting from the hip. And he's pretty upset that everybody's operating under a religious spirit. So Paul is just on a rant right now. We're kind of just going to get in the middle of it. He says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through the obeying of the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse Pronounced by the law. Hold up. Where was I? Thirteen. Okay. Here we go. Christ redeemed us from the curse by of law, but becoming a curse for us, for it is written. First is everyone who is hung on a pole or hung on a tree. It's important. I should say tree. Messed it all up. I'm just joking. So now we're going to jump to John 19, 1 through 7. <laughs> Here we go. This is when, kind of holding court for Jesus. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, this is very important, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him, crucify him, take him yourselves and crucify him. Pilate said, I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. Very important there. Brought him out in a crown of thorns. Referred to him as, this is the man. <laughs> so there's an interesting correlation going on here. And this all happened because I was cleaning up some of our shrubbery and stuff and anytime anyone who's ever been pricked by a thorn, it's it's terrible. And I even had like some just a bucket of stuff that I had left in like our building. And there were some thorns and there was some brush in there. And I was just going to like put it into a bag, to take it to the dump. And like thorns just last forever. They never like get dull, even when they're cut off their vine or their tree. And I got like pricked by one. And that's what kind of sparked this whole conversation was like, why you know, why did Jesus have to wear a crown of thorns? I know that they were like when you're growing up and as a kid, you see all these pictures even as an adult, I mean, I didn't know, so I started digging into it. And I thought it was to signify that, yes, he's, he calls himself the Son of God or the King of the Jews, they would call him. King of the Jews just means King of men. And when they referred to him as man, it shows us that Jesus wore a crown of thorns to represent cursed thorns when he cursed man in the garden, From a cursed plant, which he cursed the earth. From a cursed ground that man was cursed to work for the rest of his life. God sent Jesus to to not only fulfill but to abolish the curse from when man messed up. So there's three things that happened. Jesus came to fulfill the curse for working for forgiveness. He came to fulfill the curse of man who hangs on a tree because what was the significance there? Abraham took Isaac up a mountain. What did he gather with him? Wood. What did he lay Isaac on? Wood. What did Jesus, who took the wood up the mountain? Isaac. Who carried Jesus' cross? Jesus. Isaac was going to sacrifice, or Abraham was going to sacrifice his only son. God's only son was sacrificed in his place. <clears throat> who, was, who was actually sacrificed in his place was a lamb who was caught in thorns, and he was caught by the curse of man, because those were thorns that, were, that grew from a cursed ground. Abraham had faith and so did his son Isaac. They said, God will provide a lamb or he'll provide a sacrifice. So all of a sudden, you see this ram who is caught in the curse of man who is available to be sacrificed because of God. Not only that, but when God cursed Adam, he said, by the sweat of your brow, you will have to work for everything that you want for food. You'll have to work this cursed ground. So Jesus also came to abolish our sweating and our, our sweat equity and our work to feel freedom, to understand that the finished work has been done. So all of a sudden I started thinking about, you know why he wears this crown of thorns, and then you look through all of this, and Abraham and Isaac was just a giant shadow and type or foreshadowing of. Jesus' actual sacrifice. And notice how Isaac asked, or Isaac asked Abraham, you know, where is the sacrifice? And then you see at the end of Jesus' life, <clears throat> when he's sacrificed as a man, he's on the cross and he says, <clears throat> Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in order for him to actually be sacrificed, he had to feel all of our sin. Will you put up that picture real quick if you can? So I just went online and just uh just looked up list of sins. It was it, it populated some awesome stuff. But this is this is just something I wanted to go over real quick. So we all, everybody, any, if you have social media, if you talk to anybody in society, especially about your faith or especially about morality or a, having a badge of merit or who can live better, let's just run through a couple of these. I mean, anything on here, they have a mental attitude of sins, sins of the tongue, overt sins. The only thing that really separates some of these and the categories that they're in is the volume of punishment. And the consequences that we're going to feel from these as a person and earthly consequence obviously the sin for murdering or the consequence for murdering is a little greater than the consequence of arrogance or fear or worry or anger however i found you know recently that even people that believe in the finished work <clears throat> are using the scale of if I do this or I read my Bible or I, or I live a good enough life then you have a better merit with Jesus. Completely untrue. There's no there, I, I've heard this once and I still ascribe to this. You cannot sin your way out of God's love. He's, he covers every one of them. Earthly consequence, completely different. Personal consequence, yeah, you, you you run around with anger for people, bitterness, hate, judging, want revenge. That's probably going to take a toll on your heart, right? You're probably going to have a little bit of a hardened heart, hardened spirit, not going to be very applicable to hang around. You do some of the stuff on the far right, there's going to be earthly consequence. You're just going to be in jail. could wind up dead. But the reason that why you know i opened up with having uh, you know tsa precheck is because i want the, i'm going to title this sermon as freedom precheck because we get to ride on the coattails of jesus when they say hey we want to you got to take all that stuff off we need you know we need to make sure you're secure We're, our security is, is in christ and the foreshadowing is just to show us that god's love for us was so was so good back then When he provided for Abraham and it's still the exact same now I recently had a friend um, that we've been kind of you know teaching and meeting to get him to be less religious spirited and it's a tough task man I'm telling you some of the stuff these people believe um it's just, I mean, the effort, and it's, just, it's wild. It's, it's wild how people disqualify themselves. How they can't, they're just unfit. Unfit to be loved, unfit to be forgiven. Oh, but what about this? Well, God doesn't know, dude, God, God knows everything. There's no, there's no way that you can be unfit for his forgiveness and his love. Everyone qualifies. And we had a mutual friend, so me and this friend, <clears throat> We had a mutual friend who was going through an injury, like a bad injury, like a leg injury, had to get surgery and all sorts of stuff, and this guy's been through a lot. <clears throat> so this injury was just the cherry on the top. I mean, he's had a tough year. as what we would call a tough year, earthly consequence. Lost some family members, a lot of, you know, just unsure about their next move, has a family. So, you know, me and my friend we have this mutual friend who's going through a lot and he recently had this injury. And I just felt this like longing to call out to this guy. I'm like, and I knew that he was not of the same, not belief, we're all going to heaven. He just has been raised in more of a religious spirited, self-righteousness. If I go on mission trips, I'm going to get to heaven type of church. So I said, you know, I didn't want to reach out to him because I didn't want him to think that, of, get a sense of arrogance or get a sense that I think his beliefs are wrong and mine are right. So I ended up, you know, my wife even said, like, you should reach out to him because she was aware of his injury as well. I'm like, all right, well, if she tells me to do, like, I better do it because, like, that's me just, like, getting, like, checking my spirit, like, Okay, I, I know, I, I think I should have, but then her confirming it, that's the Holy Spirit working. So I reach out to this guy and I said, hey man, you got like five minutes? Yep. Say, <clears throat> said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, no problem. So here's what led me to like be very hesitant. There's a group text with this person in it. And when he had you know, told us about his injury, I was very, very like caught off guard and like I was worried because a lot of the encouragement or text messages coming from the camp of people that are in there were very disheartening to a finished work believer. Hey, my husband got injured at work and then he found Christ. Okay, Jesus didn't injure your husband. But this is the type of thought process. I mean, we've all heard it, right? Like, we could all come up and tell a testimony about someone who believes that God actually caused harm or injury or lack thereof in their life to teach them a lesson, right? If you believe, if you believe that, I'm being serious. If you believe that still, come see me after this. we got to set people free from that. That bondage that you're under is no longer allowed. If you go to this church and you believe that God causes harm or there's, there's purpose in the pain, if you believe that, I'm being dead serious. Come up after, after here. You don't have to, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. If you believe that or know anybody do, that does believe that that would be willing to be prayed for, let me know. Because that we can't have people in society thinking that anymore. That's what's going to get people freed up. we got to get out of that bondage. And I'm reading over and over. 12, 15, 20 texts from all different families and walks of life of people talking about that. Hey, just, you know, everything happens for a reason. Ah, that happened to me too. You know, I lost my job and then I found God in it. So, you know, I know it was him. Are you kidding? How is that encouraging? This guy's leg's already messed up. The last thing he needs to like think about is, oh man, wonder what I did to deserve this. So I just called him, and that's Adrian told me. She's like, "You gotta call him." That was that that was enough. And it's it's even more disheartening when it's people that you know, proximity wise, that live in your same town, that are also giving them these messages. So I reached out to him, and I'm telling you, operating in the spirit, just being able to like link stuff like this together, like the thorns and stuff like that, and understanding that God's love for us is to have us be above only and never beneath anything. He wants, he wants us to succeed. He only wants good. He never wants a lesson. He, and, and, and you can call it what you want. He never wants a challenge. I'm going to challenge you guys today to leave here and go love on one another, okay? That's, that's the worst ending of a sermon you could possibly hear, a challenge. A challenge or there's purpose in your pain. That's not God. God is love, just because something happens, Satan is the prince of the world. We're in a fallen world. If I stub my toe, that's not God causing that to happen. I live in a fallen world. If we experience a disheartening situation, loss, something happens, I lose a deal that I thought was in the bag. That's not God being like, well, heard you cuss earlier this week. Dude, people, I'm, people believe that. Like, and they post about it. They, have, they think they have an audience for it. It's unbelievable. It, it actually should be unbelievable. It's not in Scripture. So I finally reached out to this guy, and this is why I, I say like operating in the Spirit is so important. If you feel like you should talk to somebody and you know they're not on the same wavelength, talk to them and deliver it with a loving manner. I know I can talk to you guys a little aggressively right now because we're all on the same wavelength, okay? I, don't talk, I didn't talk like this to that guy. But I asked him, I just asked him questions, and I said, hey, listen, you know, do you, do you think that this happened, like, on purpose, that, like, all this stuff you're going to be doing, and, like, you have a family, you have, like, three or four young kids, and, like, I think this happened on purpose. Well, I, I don't know. I said, dude, you rebuke that right now. You are Well. You are well. God wants you well. Speak against that pain. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, six to eight weeks, it's, it took me 10 to 12. How was that encouraging? So I, I finally talked to this guy, and it was just, it was a blessing because it was like he had, like, it was the first time he had sliced bread. He'd never, and, and Adrian and I both, she was almost in tears because, you know, I, I talked to him for 20, 25 minutes, and he was completely liberated from the thought of this bondage that God would hurt his own children to teach them a lesson. And Terry and Paula said it when they just did their testimony. They knew that what they experienced wasn't from God. God will make good of a situation that you're in, but he doesn't mean he caused it. He's not orchestrating it. It's the first time that this guy... And I'm sure other people that are in his same boat had ever heard anything like this. And, and, and the fact that I'm able to back everything that I'm saying up with Scripture from Old Testament and New, heaven forbid they ever read the book of Galatians. Anybody who is like under the bondage of religious spiritedness, just read the book of Galatians. There's no way that you can operate in the same mindset. And I talked to him finally, and it was like he had it, it literally a light bulb clicked. He's like, man, I'm just so thankful for you. Love you so much, man. Thank you so much. He's like, anytime you want to call, you have access to my life. He wasn't offended. I didn't need for him to be like, I need you to repent of everything you believe and believe my way. No. He just let me have access to his heart because I had made a difference in his life that day. Jesus had made a difference in his life that day for me operating in the Holy Spirit. And that's just one, you know, one thing I want to leave us with is just when you feel a longing to help somebody, it is it's it's hard to do, it's hard to want to pray for somebody when they need healing. It is, because it's weird. And society's labeled it that. But it's not weird when you have when the Holy Spirit's inside you and you feel that stirring. You should still f- operate in the exact same thing for people that you love that are operating in disbelief and religious spiritedness. If you feel a longing to call out to them and think that it's going to free them up from bondage and their family and their offspring, do it. Reach out with love. It's, just, it's the best thing that I've done and it's let me I have access to his life and access to like at least three to four other people within the same network. So I want to leave us with that. I wanted this to be short and sweet today, but I'm going to pray for us. You guys have a great day, and uh, seriously, if anyone needs to be prayed for after this from that, I'd be happy to pray over you. And the rest of our elder team would too don't be embarrassed to come up. and even if you want to pray us to pray for somebody in your network or your family, be more than happy to. We'll close in prayer. <clears throat> Thank you Jesus for today. Thank you, Lord for helping us link things together in your word, Father. We're just so thankful that when we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit helps us understand shadows and types and that every story has a link to the finished work of Jesus. We can find Jesus in everything. Thank you, Lord, just for operating in your finished work for transforming hearts, that we will have you as our compass, Lord, to lead us to the people that have ears to hear, that have a spirit that wants to be healed, and that want to be freed of bondage from religious spiritedness and wrong belief. So Thank you, Lord, so much for this body, and it will grow organically through people that have hungry hearts. And we are just so thankful for you and your sacrifice, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.